Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller, this is Pro Wrestling Show, and you have decided to listen to my voice, and I appreciate that massively from the bottom of my heart, as I do to everyone that signed up on Patreon this week. It's so kind of you. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Patreon.com, Forza Simon 316. Always get the cheap plug in there to begin with, because I know how audience retention works. But honestly, if Patreon caved tomorrow... This whole podcast and all my personal stuff would vanish. I wanted to say thanks, and I wanted to pimp it out. To be honest, if you've got a dollar in your pocket and you thought, I'd like to give it to that man, I will take your dollar. And also, there's a bunch of rewards on there as well. You can get postcards, t-shirts, a bunch of stuff. You can check it out at the above. As always, the main talking about professional wrestling this week was a big row, a big argument on social media. After Jim Ross on his grilling, I, I always call it grilling junior, because that's what I have to say to my Google machine. If you say grilling JR to your Google machine, obviously I'm, t- I'm not saying the actual words because it will set my Google machine off. It has no idea what you're talking about. I don't know if anybody else suffers this with Alexa or Siri or whatever. But if you say grilling junior, obviously because it's JR, it knows. Very frustrating. Now, I haven't actually heard this episode yet, but it's been everywhere. So it was impossible to get away from it. But I mean, I assume that Jim Ross was asked who his favorite wrestler was or who he deems to be the best worker in the business at the moment. And he said Randy Orton. And of course he said Randy Orton because Jim Ross, if you ever listened to his show or just watched him interviews or listened to his interviews, enjoys old school professional wrestling, which is what in many ways Randy Orton does very well. I mean, wrestling evolves and wrestling changes. So and this is what I don't get. Everybody's going to have a different opinion on this. But the internet treated it as, or we now have to argue, as if we're coming up with factual information. (laughs) I mean, it really kicked off when Chris Jericho just gave his opinion too and said, look, I've been in the ring with all of these guys and I think right now Kenny Omega is the best. And he absolutely brings a certain... Well, I guess some extra credibility to the table because, again, he has first-hand experience. So he can say, when I wrestle someone, you know, whatever Kenny Omega brings to the squared circle to the ring is what I deem to be of high class, of excellence, and so on and so forth. And then it really went nuts because Kenny Omega just did a joke tweet, you know, talking about Jim Cornette and talking about the crazy people on the internet and also referenced the time when Jim Ross called him the WWE champion. Now, I took this all as light-hearted entertainment but then it soon became oh no it's bad and stuff and look maybe kenny omega did take uh, you know slight i don't say offense but maybe he was a bit surprised that jim ross someone that works for aew would say that i don't know i can't answer that question but really we should be able to have these debates like everybody throwing spears and knives into each other which is is like guns and you know bombs everything just on on social media going absolutely nuts and i massively respect you if you think randy orton is the best wrestler in the world it's the same with kenny omega and also, I imagine these things are going to change constantly. Like, I was thinking about this for ages. Like, who do I think is the best wrestler in the world? And I don't believe I have an answer. I think it depends on what I'm in the mood for. Is Kenny Omega going to be in that conversation? Yes. Is Randy Orton going to be in that conversation for me? Also, yes. But if you want me to sort of the, put them in a tier list, I would put Randy Orton below Kenny Omega at the moment. But then someone who I'm enjoying more than anybody at the moment, is arguably Miro, the former Rusev. Now, does that mean I think he's the greatest wrestler in the world? I don't think so. But if you were then going to, again, you said to me right now, Simon, pick one wrestler you just want to watch all the time, I'm going to pick Miro. So it's kind of difficult to, 
underscore who the best wrestler in the world is right now. And obviously there's the likes of Akada, there's the like of Ibushi that people are going to throw in there. I know a lot of people are sort of high on the, the likes of Roosh and, and dudes like that. I just, it, to me, it was kind of mad <laughs> that it got so over the top so quickly, where really what we should be doing is having interesting and intelligent debates about where he does this and he does that. And there's things that Kenny Omega does that Randy Orton can't do and vice versa. Because again, they bring different things to their presentation as a professional wrestler. And a big criticism towards Randy Orton is, oh, he's too safe and he's too by the numbers. And I know what he's going to do before he does it. But I don't think that you remain in the position that Randy Orton has done. Obviously, management likes him, which is a huge thing in WWE. But that's the same with all companies. But you don't last that long unless you're not doing something to a high level. And I absolutely think he does. And I think over the last couple of years, as he himself talked about during his Steve Austin Sessions appearance, his promo skills, his characterization has got so much better. And that's the reason that RK Bro is working. I don't want to sound like a broken record, which means I will do. But the reason that tag team is so much fun is because Rat Matt Riddle has a defined character and Randy Orton has a defined character. You know what their personas are. So when they riff off each other and they play off each other and it actually stands, you know, it makes sense given what you know of these two. It rocks. And that ties straight into Raw as well because you have this excellent match between Xavier Woods and Riddle. It's easily the best thing on Raw by a country mile. Was a huge signpost as to why WWE should let these guys be far more... Well, just call their own shots more when it comes to wrestling matches. Because, I mean, Triple H has said it before. WWE has a playbook, and when we bring you in, we expect you to play by our playbook, which is fine. It's their company. They can do whatever you want. But when you do give wrestlers that sort of a little bit of creative freedom, we kind of had a shoot wrestling. I mean, it wasn't really a shoot, but it was played out that way. MMA grappling fest. And I just thought it rocked. I was so entertained by it. It's the best Xavier Woods match I've seen in ages. And that's not uh, a knock on his tag team work. I love the New Day. I think they're excellent. But much like Kofi Kingston had the, another great match with Drew McIntyre on the Shame Show, this really played in to Xavier Woods' strengths. And it was one of those things where, and this is another thing we've got to talk about, I don't care that Xavier Woods lost or even that Matt Riddle won, because I just went away as a fan, understanding what professional wrestling is, it's a work, or whatever word you want to use, going, those two are great, I wonder how the story is going to develop, especially because Riddle wins with an RKO, that, you know, kind of has more, maybe evil and vicious and angry facial expressions, to maybe tease somewhat of a heel turn, but then, if you're into the social media game, you've got Randy Orton telling him to stop stealing your shit, so, there's an extra layer to that, and I really hope we don't, pull the rug out from under these guys legs too soon like i don't I, I i don't want i really want them to be a tag team probably through till the end of the year i understand trying to build something to wrestlemania next year in 2022 sounds nuts but we've seen it before we've done it in the past and even if that is too long okay build a survivor series build to the latter part of 2021 before you do anything simply because it's different it's fun it's um it's intriguing which is not the case for raw on a whole right now like i try and be a positive pete and i gave five ups how dare i to raw today or last night so now i'm being absolutely eviscerated once again online but i stand by all these ups because i mean i'll, I'll literally use that as a way to to go through the show as well ain't no way i'm ever giving xavier woods versus riddler down no way way too good if you're allowed to do that but you don't do the show so <laughs> that's not going to happen tight into drew mcintyre versus kofi kingston really really good tremendous 20 minutes of hard hitting smart Drew McIntyre is the best. Kofi Kingston is sort of under the radar. Not best ever, but consistency and just knowing how to work a wrestling match. Right up there. Like, so, 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 so good. So, for 20 minutes, I was sports entertained. 
And then for the last minute, I wanted to punch myself in the face. But when you have a match that goes that long for so well, you can't ignore the up part of it. And the up part went down to the effort put in and the work that was presented. But yes, the down part comes in the form of giving me that long a time to invest in something and then not giving me anything at the end. And in fact, making it even worse to the point we're going to do it again next week on Raw, which meant it actually was a waste of all of our times because it didn't progress anything and it didn't go anywhere because, of course, Bobby Lashley, MVP, not only jump in, but jump in simultaneously to cause the double DQ. So it's not even like Kofi can say, well, I beat Drew by DQ or vice versa. It actually happened at the same time. And that's not doing, you know, that's it's just rubbish. And if we tie that into the, because uh, some people had the same criticism for the Alistair Black arrival on SmackDown, had that awesome Intercontinental Championship match. I mean, WWE's been on fire with great matches over the last couple of weeks. That one was really, really good. Those four guys, again, went 20 minutes nonstop. But the reason I like that is because, A, surprise finish. Oh, my gosh, here's Alistair Black. Always something that I want to see. So that's a couple of thumbs up. But, you know, he twonks Big E in the face. I'm sure they can come up with some cool story. That allows Apollo Crews to go and defend his Intercontinental Championship against somebody else. Maybe a Kevin Owens. That's what it felt like to me. Maybe Sami Zayn sticking his head in. And then we do Alistair Black versus Big E. So now when I sit down to watch SmackDown, I'm like, oh my gosh, which direction are we going to go in? But I already know that Raw's going to be a repeat of this week because they told me. And even though you have Adam Pearce going, oh, if Bobby Lashley and MVP interfere next week, they're going to be suspended for three months. You're like, why isn't that always the rule? Why is there no interference, no, no law? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It's happening all the time. And yet people in management don't try and loosen or tighten those loose ends. And that's where you really start. It just starts just crushing, crushing your brain. But there's two ups right there, right? Charlotte versus Oscar, even when they do have... I don't like miss spots and botches because I think they're unfair terms. But don't flow maybe as well as they want to. I think they have such good chemistry, I can still get into it. That was the case last week. That was the case this week. And last week was a little bit more shonky than this week. But I just like those two together. I just think they work really well. It doesn't mean that you can keep doing it over and over, which is the territory that WWE is falling into. But that's not on them. That's Raw. And that's Raw post-WrestleMania. It feels like Groundhog Day. We're doing the same thing over and over and over. And even if you had Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock, you'd get more mileage out of it because of how over those guys were and the popularity they had. But by month number three, if that's all you've got, you go, I don't want to see this anymore. It's like a cool action movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. The reason, or Sylvester Stallone or The Rock or Jason Statham, whatever, by the time you get to the last 25, 30 minutes, that's when they start blowing all the crap up because like, well, now we can get away with it. But if we did it throughout the entire movie, it would probably be a little bit too much. It's about pacing and it's about not falling into that trap. And it would happen, even with The Rock and Steve Austin, anybody anybody you want to choose. But I still enjoyed that match, so I'm not going to give that a down. Cedric Alexander and Shetland Benjamin, I will concede that it is a little bit of me trying to push goodwill into the world so that WWE actually blows this off or finishes it on a pay-per-view. So at least the destruction of the Hurt Business wasn't for naught. Because I like Cedric Alexander, I like Shelton Benjamin, I want them to have a proper program, and while they are kind of going, not, they're not going through the motions, but the story is going through the motions, it's not really progressing again, which we've already talked about, I like them, and 50-50 booking is just something I expect from WWE, it doesn't mean that they should do it, but it means it doesn't hit me as hard as... Uh, well, one of the other nonsensical things that come out of nowhere, zombies, for example, or Alexa Bliss's uh, magical powers. Because, <laughs> because I like those two guys, and it's much better than them being relegated to uh, superstars or being on the pre-show kickoff 
on, on a pay-per-view, which still could happen, of course. So that is just me yeah, throwing some goodwill into the world and hoping that everything everything turns out all right. And now I'm not going to lie, for the love of everything, I can't remember what the last up I gave was now. So as I talk to you, I, I will try and find it. Oh, the Seamus stuff. I mean, again, the Seamus stuff, I, was like, I watch it. I'm like, is it really a down? It's fine. I mean, it's just fine. And by now, given that I've been doing it for five years, I think most people should have understood that I will always try and inject positivity into a segment if I can. You know, Humberto Carrillo versus Sheamus. Humberto Carrillo isn't injured, which is good. They had a decent back and forth, didn't go very long. And Ricochet comes in at the end and everybody does their flippy dippy doodah stuff. And I presume we'll do either Sheamus versus both of them or Sheamus versus one of them and then the other one the next week after that or a triple threat. And ultimately, Sheamus will win. I think if you want to get into the criticism with that is that it's, we've kind of switched it. Well, not that the US Championship was ever treated with any real uh, sort of importance. But the Intercontinental title at the moment really feels to me like it has some momentum. It has some fire. Whether that changes now, because obviously Big E is moving out of that scene and he was a large part of that, I don't know. But at least for the last few months, it has felt that way. I'm like, it's a title I should actually invest in. Ever since Sheamus won it at the US, uh, at the WrestleMania 37, it hasn't really felt that way. I thought, you know, he's been unlucky in the sense that clearly Humberto Carrillo was going to be uh, the long game. But this ties into Raw in general and the sheer lack of consistency that it has. Carrillo is a little bit different because if he was injured, good, give him time off. And actually, if you've then inserted Ricochet into that, but then, you know, Humberto comes back, but you want to keep that going, good. This is the kind of thing we should be doing. But where's Mansour? I cannot believe we debuted Mansour on Raw a few weeks ago killed off his undefeated streak and then just killed him off too he just never came back same with jinder mahal and the two massive massive guys he debuted with and what's going to happen we'll get to november and jinder mahal debuts again because he debuted back on that indian special super show thing we did with two other guys now he comes back in may with two other guys we get to november it's probably going to be two other guys and then he'll just come back next year and he'll be with uh, sunil and samir singh again you would be like what the hell happened We've literally just done a massive circle. So Raw just needs to take a few pages out of SmackDown's book, which continually moves stuff forward. Not everything is, is fantastic, but I always I feel like we took a step in the right direction. Even small things like Jimmy Uso goes to Sonya Deville and says, hey, I want me and my brother to have a match against the Street Profits. She says, yes, Jay Uso doesn't like about it. Goes to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is pissed. That's not like, you know, right home stuff. You know, going to tell everybody about this. But it's just another way to go, I wonder what's going to happen there. Are they going to get back together as a tag team? Is the family going to crumble? Is it going to fall apart? Even Cesaro just getting hammered by Seth Rollins. At least Cesaro was allowed this small detour where he did have this awesome Universal Championship title match against Roman Reigns. And at least the Cesaro, uh, the Seth Rollins stuff makes sense. You can't do it too much. You could even put them in a hell in a cell given that Seth Rollins keeps attacking him. But with Raw, like... I mean, the main event. I was really happy that the Women's Tag Team Championships were the main event. If you are defending a title on any show and it's the only one, it should be the last thing on the card. It gives it, you know, credence and importance and all of these things. But Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, who I do like, I have nothing against them, but they are just booked on every single show in the exact same matches. And we've already talked about that. We don't need to talk about it again. But worse still, you go through all of this and it ends with yet another explosion, I'm going to assume courtesy of Alexa Bliss's magic potions. Shayna Baszler is the one that suffers. She gets pinned, and then she's going to fight Reginald next week. Now, I didn't need to see Reginald versus Sasha Banks. I didn't need to see Reginald versus Nia Jax, I think he fought, whoever it was. And I don't need to see Reginald versus Shayna Baszler, especially not because I assume Reginald will win after yet more voodoo from Alexa Bliss. And the singles division is going to need an influx of talent soon. 
We have seen that recently because we've gone Rhea Ripley, Charlotte, Oscar, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte, Oscar. It's why from nowhere, Nikki Cross comes back and she's having a two minute beat the clock challenge with Rhea. You're like, what? How on earth have you been inserted into that? But Shayna Baszler has so much legitimacy and she is so credible because, of course, she used to be a mixed martial arts athlete. You should just you should rely on that and you shouldn't be plugging her into the voodoo stuff. In just my personal opinion, maybe it turns out to be great. But I am worried about that. I don't want to see Shayna Baszler lose to Reginald. And I understand why Reginald is such an integral part of the women's division. I don't mind him being the manager or the Somale or whatever we're calling it of Nia Jackson and Shayla. Shayna. But that whole thing has run its course. Which again ties into another issue, which is just the sheer amount of distractions, disqualifications, and the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. I know I've been going on about this for ages, but the reason we started it is because it just doesn't stop. And now it's almost becoming, ironically, given the time we're living in, a pandemic or an epidemic, whichever one you want to use. Because, I mean, I should have written this down. I know we had two distractions on the show because we had that awful AJ Styles versus Jackson Riker match. I love AJ Styles, but that none of this makes sense in why Elias and Jackson Riker would be in the tag team title program. And AJ Styles should just never lose to Jackson Riker. He's too he's too good of a wrestler and he's too uh he's too important to the overall running order of Raw. So we definitely had that. We had a DQ in the first match and we had another distraction somewhere else. Oh, of course the main event. You know, the main event because there was a big explosion <laughs> Shayna Baszler didn't know what the hell what the hell was going on and I think the only clean finish we got was I mean Charlotte versus Oscar was but again devastating move which was the same as last week so that kind of cancels it out but it was the riddle Xavier Woods match and that was the one that was the best thing on the show because we came up with an angle we came up with an idea it made sense puts over the RKO in the process which is always good I just think it's like anything should you ban all shenanigans forever no of course not it's professional wrestler and sometimes you're going to need to use it but if you are in a situation where you do need to use it and then you have done it too much it just loses any impact that it should have had and now when i sit down to watch raw i can't remember if i said i definitely said on ups and downs i can't remember if i said it so far on this show but now when i sit down to raw for example kofi kingston versus drew mcintyre next week do i believe i'm going to get a winner no and it could happen they could surprise me but i'm going to expect a bobby lashley run in i'm going to expect a distraction i'm going to expect a disqualification i'm going to expect some kind of gaga and i understand that drew mcintyre is a project right now but if you have this idea that you'd rather do kofi versus bobby lashley at uh, hell in a cell then just have drew mcintyre lose he can lose one match clean because you've already done the hard work in pushing him to the top of the card you know, he got rid of Brock Lesnar in the Rumble. He absolutely ruined him at WrestleMania 36. He's had other great victories against Randy Orton and uh, whoever else that he's fought, you know, and some Bobby Lashley here and there too. So I don't mind if he loses one fall to Kofi. Just get finishes over as more, well, devastating moves, ironically. <laughs> you know, <laughs> push them harder. Because if you push those things as anybody can succumb to them, like Baron Corbin's end of days, which we absolutely should be doing more with. No one has ever kicked out of it. And don't do a mansaw and introduce it just to kill it off. But we should at least, I mean, the end of days to me should be a step above everything because it's never been kicked out of. But let's go with the trouble in paradise. If you can just, I mean, this is what we should have been doing for the last few weeks and this has been the plan. If we could just got it to the point where we really underline that the trouble in paradise is a move that people should fear. And then he, even if it's a fluke catch on Drew McIntyre and he, you know, sneaks a one, two, three, that's awesome. Kofi can sell it that maybe he feels like he stole one. Drew Mack can do the whole, oh my gosh, I can't believe it face. You know, that's when you want to tell those stories with your facial expressions, in my opinion. And I know, what do I know, board a-hole on the internet. But I'd much rather that than, oh, he surprised roll up me. Or, oh, 
uh, Xavier Woods blew a trumpet on the outside. I like that stuff, but we've got to the point now where it's too much. And we are going to have occasions where, like I say, we're going to need to do it, but they're never going to work now. They're just never, ever going to work. So I didn't think Raw was as bad as some of it has been in the past, but the stories are all over the place. Especially like Charlotte beats Oscar and she's now going into the title match at Hell in a Cell against Rhea Ripley, but Oscar doesn't get it even the week before. Not only did Oscar beat Charlotte, but she beat her with the exact same move. Like, you can't even tell the narrative of, well, you know, she did just roll her up, but Charlotte won with the figure eight. No, they both won with devastating moves in all of sports entertainment. So, yeah, it's... You can't even blame WWE because it's not a WWE problem. SmackDown, as I say, is a well-put-together wrestling show that I enjoy muchly. I'd put it on par with AEW Dynamite. These are, those are the two shows that I enjoy the most. Whereas Raw, I'm kind of perplexed for most of it. And again, you can't blame it all on World Wrestling Entertainment because they know what they're doing on Fridays. I suppose all these rumors that, you know, Vince McMahon comes in and just rips up the script a couple of hours before is now really starting to cost them. Because of course it would. How could it not? Like, if you're trying to plan out these long-term tales, but you can never really follow up on your vision because it gets changed at the last minute, you are going to get shows that feel out of place, wacky, and weird which is what we're getting. And I've just just I checked now. I loaded up my, my wrestling stuff. And apparently, according to uh, PW Insider... Oh, I've left my, my sound on my computer. The rematches that once again took place on this week's Raw were because the script was changing throughout the day. According to these reports, the first hour wasn't set in stone until 45 minutes before the show went live. This isn't anything new, as Vince McMahon often rips up the script just before Raw does go live, and it creates chaos backstage. And one word I would use to describe Raw would be chaos. It is. It is. It's just absolute chaos. And I think whoever is in charge of SmackDown is seriously, they are sticking to their guns. Like whatever the plan is, they're like, this has to be the plan. And maybe it's because everything kind of does flow through Roman Reigns. And I imagine he has the power to be able to go to people and say, look, we're doing this, we're doing that. And people go, oh, yeah, Roman, we love you. Tribal Chief, head of the table. But I can imagine Drew McIntyre is probably in that position, but I'm really hoping that we get through Hell in a Cell. We have a really good plan for Money in the Bank and this kind of stuff can go away because Raw's not even bad at the moment. It's just a bit dull because, again, there's nothing new going on. So, hey-ho, it is what it is. I'm never going to moan about it too much because it's just professional wrestling and people get really mad about that. And I like to spin a positive thing on it just to let you into my world a little bit. Even things that drive me absolutely nuts. I watch Raw, I do ups and downs, and then I'm over it because there's so many other problems in the world. And some people really seem to struggle to have that same uh, respite, I suppose. And good for you. If you're that passionate, fair play to you. I massively I massively respect you all the same, but I just don't think it's worth it. It's there to entertain you. And if it is upsetting you that much, maybe just don't watch it. And then you can uh, you can feel better about it. We are going back to live show soon. It sounds like SummerSlam, SummerSlam apparently is going to take place from Las Vegas in front of like 60,000 people. Or at least it's going to go in a 60,000 building. I can't remember what it's called, but it's got a roof. I know that much, which everyone must be super excited about given that WrestleMania rained down. Although, again, if it's in Las Vegas, that's unlikely. I don't know if they can get 60,000 fans to SummerSlam. It depends on what the market's going to be like, of course, as we do open up again. But it's also the same week that um, I think... Uh, I think uh, AEW's in the same in the same area or something. There's the, the, the market is being tested heavily, so I mean, could you have even got sixty thousand people to WrestleMania? I'm unsure, given how nuts still still think things are still nuts, right? Like Canada and over here, we can't really do much, even though certain things are coming back into our life. 
So I don't know whether it's going to be set up for 60,000 or whether they truly believe they can get 60,000. But to be honest, I'll, it'd just be so nice to have fans back. The Thunderdome was a terrific invention, if we're going to go with that word. But it, it's just it's just not the same, right? It's uh, it's overproduced wrestling, which is far better than underproduced wrestling, which is what I would have called the, um, the warehouse, the, the performance center. So as long as everything is health and safety like i say i'm really really excited to have fans back and have that reaction and have that atmosphere and hopefully help shows like this and what culture and videos and just get those fans who could not watch it when there was no or at least a real reaction back through the door because that's what we all want i was i'm not going to say anything about the keith lee situation i mean there was speculation that he'd been released let go that was all bollocks somebody had just made up clearly he stuff got going on with his personal life i don't think it's wrestling related and as soon as we walk into personal life territory, I really don't think it's any of our business. And you can debate that. That's cool. You know, that's up to your, you know, if it's a business thing, then yes, you probably can go, well, I wonder what's going on there. But if it's in his personal life, imagine you had to take some time off from your finance job because you had a family situation or maybe you were sick or maybe you were ill. You wouldn't want somebody tweeting you all the time. What's going on? What's going on? You know, you just want to be able to focus on the issue and get through it. So I hope he's well, obviously. I really like that guy. I hope he can come back to Raw. He says he's going to address this situation. I hope that he, well, he can do whatever he wants, whatever's going to make his happy. But the key is that he's happy and that he's healthy, right? Nothing else really, really matters. It's, it, again, it's just professional wrestling at the end of the day. And it's why, I know I always talk about this, but if there's an injury in a match or something goes wrong, just stop the damn thing. You know, ruin my suspension of disbelief because it's not as important as what we can do in terms of saving people if that makes sense saving people that's a little bit much but i don't want anyone you know it's a dangerous sport as it is and i think we should use what it is to our advantage which is you know in a football game sometimes people can be lying on the floor holding their heads and it's because football players are divers and they, they oversell things that aren't true but play doesn't stop because there's a competitive edge to it and while there is a competitive edge in professional wrestling it's not the same as competitive sports because of course you know, Liverpool and Manchester United aren't just going to stop passing the ball to each other because <laughs> like, they have a real thing where they're going to want to win. But we are in a story-based business, so we should always uh, we should always use that. Outside of that as well, oh, of course, all the releases. I can't remember if we talked about, about them. It sucks to be released. Did we talk about it last week? I think we did. We didn't talk about the Velveteen Dream, who I believe got released after we had done the show. I wasn't surprised by it, given all of the rumors, not just about the... Um, the messages that were allegedly out there or whatever they allegedly meant. But there are so many stories in the wild saying he was unprofessional, he was hard to work with, uh, a lot of his peers didn't really enjoy working with him and so on and so forth. So I don't think it's for the worst. That's all I'm going to say. I don't, you know, I think there's far worse things that we could have done. There is a lot of question marks over it. His response is out there. Should you want to go and read it? It left me a little bit unsatisfied. I have to pick my words correctly. I'm sure you can understand that. We will see where we go from here, but I don't... You don't want any negative elements in any walk of life. And again, even going away from the other stuff, so many people had mentioned that he was not the easiest dude to get along with, which is, you know, which is, which is never ideal. And actually talking about dudes that were difficult to get along with, not a planned segue, I was able to watch the A&E documentary for The Ultimate Warrior. We have the Dark Side of the Ring one also coming out this week. I don't know if that was play, planned or just, you know, one of the other companies found out, or oh, they're doing it this week in May. We should do it as well. 
when I sit down to watch anything that is produced by the company that it's about, you always have to take it with a pinch of salt. It was the same with uh, the Michael Jordan one. That was done by Michael Jordan's company. So I'm sure there were some things that were deliberately left out, but I still enjoyed it for what it was. And I would say that was the same for the Ultimate Warrior one. They did touch upon his controversial statements, which are just unforgivable. Like They just are. If there was some tape or there was some kind of footage of the Ultimate Warrior, Jim Helgrey, whatever we want to call him, Warrior, you know, looking through a camera lens and saying, look, I never should have said this stuff. I was uneducated. I went out there and I taught myself. Then sure, you can start uh, thinking about forgiving him. But we don't have that. And we only have secondhand information that he did go through this change. And I think it really makes it difficult for fans, especially if you're of the, uh, you know, sort of the, the generation of fan that I am. Because growing up, the Ultimate Warrior, like he was for most of us, you know, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Randy Savage, the Ultimate Warrior, you kind of picked one of these guys, or maybe you loved them all, but you gravitated towards them. So to see those clips again, which I have seen before, it's just so difficult to to try and accept and understand because not only would I never vocalize such thoughts, I would never even have such thoughts. And I find it baffling that people could have such thoughts. I don't want to turn this into a hippie, trippy, la-la land, peaches and cream podcast, but you know, we're all the same person. Even when it comes down to nationalities, that's just random. You know, I was born over here in England. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this were born in the United States. You didn't have a choice over that. And there's nothing wrong about being proud of where you're from. But obviously, sometimes these lines become blurred and they become things that, you know, do become racist and bigotry and insulting and offensive. And when you hear somebody saying that about somebody else's sexuality or somebody else's religion, it's just like, man, you can't think that way. You've got to judge them on the person they are, not what they choose to do in their personal time. You know, they're gay, great. If they're not gay, great. If they're transgender, great. Not, you know, whatever, who cares, man? Just let them get on with it. So it was an interesting watch. And I, I totally understand it was presented in a certain way. And the presentation mainly getting away from that stuff was Ultimate Warrior kept screwing up. You don't mess with Vince McMahon and given they did have this father-son relationship because the Ultimate Warrior was from a broken home, his dad left when they were super young, the Ultimate Warrior massively struggled with that. And I think that's the story that most documentaries about him would tell you. We just left out key parts of the story, but that's been the uh, issue with the A&E documentaries overall, apart from the Macho Man Randy Savage one, where it was like, hey, let's take that word savage and, and, go, and go whole hog with it. But I did think it was... I don't know if entertaining was the right word, but I did find it an interesting watch. You know, we learned a lot about his bodybuilding days. We learned a lot about how sort of he started out. I see, I had no idea that he was only training for three weeks. And because he was such a massive dude, they just threw him in the ring and went, there you go, go and beat somebody up. I mean, that blew my mind. What a crazy situation to be in. No wonder he wasn't very good. I say he wasn't very good, but he did what he had to do. Like, he wasn't a great professional wrestler in the way that Daniel Bryan or Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels was a great professional wrestler. Or Kenny Omega, Randy Orton, we'll tie it back into that. But he had something. You know, be it legging it to the ring and, you know, I'm sure he wasn't very fun to work with because there's so many stories out there about how he stiffed people. And the best one is the Andre the Giant story about how, I can't remember who tells it, maybe Bobby Heenan or somebody like that, uh, about how they used to do this spot where, when they were feuding, where... Uh, Ultimate Warrior would hit under the Giant a few times. Under the Giant would fall into the ropes, tie his arms up, and then, you know, Warrior would hit him again. And he would say, look, you don't have to hit me as hard as you're hitting me, Warrior. I will sell for you. And the Ultimate Warrior, being the absolute crazy 100 miles per hour all the time dude he was, flew into this clothesline again. So Andre just put his fist out, and the Ultimate Warrior ran into it and knocked himself out, or knocked himself silly, at least. I mean, that's, you know, there's rights and wrongs there for different reasons. 
But I can imagine working with somebody like that would be not only frustrating, but you'd probably be a bit worried because how many times have we heard the whole, you know, you're giving your body to somebody else and you know, they need to protect you, which is absolutely true. But that you can't take away that his absolute nonsense, his looniness, you know, the promos and all of that didn't captivate you on some level because they did they did to me as well. And I, I believe that's what makes the reveal of the things that he did say twice as well not twice as awful that's not true because you're the, or even if somebody i didn't know said that i'd be like well you're the worst person on the planet but it makes them more surprising because when you look up to somebody and almost you consider them a hero you create their personality in your head you just do it just it's like it could be like anyone think about anybody you look up to if all of a sudden they come out and say something that is bad it's it's like what you can't say that you know I, you, I I look up to you and I inspire to be you and now everything I deemed you to be to be is absolute nonsense. So I guess it depends on what you wanted from the documentary. I thought for an hour and a half it was easy to watch. I learned a few things. I knew what to ignore, and now I can move on to the next one, which I actually don't know what the next one is. Uh, I do know that's not true. Bret Hart, I believe, is next, which is going to be really interesting because Bret Hart, if you've ever read Bret Hart's autobiography, is a guy that doesn't mess around like he documented everything because he wanted everyone to see the good and he wanted everyone to see the bad which is why in his book which again i massively recommend you read he talks about not his own drug use but other people's but he talks about the affairs that he had you know mistakes that he's made mistakes that others have made and actually tells a story about the ultimate warrior which was another thing they told in this one where apparently uh, some kid went up to the ultimate war in the airport and the undertaker saw warrior basically you know blow him off and be like i'm not talking to you which is kind of crazy because I can only speak for myself, but if I, if I was in that position and a kid came up to me and was like, oh my gosh, I'm such a huge fan, I would just be so overcome with happiness and humbleness. I'd be like, well, that's just the greatest thing ever. I'm, I'm so happy that I've been able to you know, inspire you in this way. Although it did lead to the best part of that documentary, which is where, I mean, it turns out the father of this kid was well-connected or had some connections to WWE. So Vincent Mann said, look, Warrior, we're going to have to shoot a promo of you apologizing and they have all the footage when they're rolling the camera, when they're not rolling the camera, or they're not rolling the camera to, you know, sort of, you know, record the actual interview. And you hear Vincent Mann saying, you know, it's a work, Jim, it's a work, trying to get in his head. And the Ultimate Warrior is just throwing a fit. You know, he is not pleased about this at all. And that was just, I need a documentary and I need a show where it's just that. It's just Vince McMahon producing promos and you get to hear all the things that he says. You get to hear his direction because I actually thought just in this uh, you know this one segment vincent man was being very generous and vincent man was being very polite and calm and if he had lost his rag a little bit he'd be like i can understand that it was kind of like working working with a child and obviously the bit at the end when dana warrior his wife is talking about how he passed away i mean that's always sad it's always horrible because you can see the hurt in her eyes and you never you know you never want that she loved that guy regardless what he did or what he said and he had two kids and it's kind of like when New Jack passed away, you know, a few people were like, oh, who cares that New Jack passed away because he did this, he did that. Look, New Jack did some terrible things. But I think I said on ups and downs, he's still a husband, he's still a brother, he's still a father and a friend. And there will be people out there that had close relationships to him. And I would never want to do a tweet or anything on social media that they could stumble across. Because I imagine if you do have a controversial figure in your life that you're still connected to and probably do love, and I don't know how anybody would stumble across a random tweet, but it does happen. That would probably just make the mental side of it even harder. 
So, no, should you utilize, I can't say that word, utilize, not the right word, eulogize. There we go, eulogize people, you know, en masse just because they passed away. Of course you shouldn't, right? There are some, not New Jack or the Ultimate Warrior in general, there are some truly terrible, terrible people out there that probably have zero redeeming features. But, you know, it's it, it's a tricky situation. No idea how we got there, but we did. It's just something that I, I thought about when I was watching it. I was like, it does make it, uh, it, do, it does make it difficult. And especially, you know, it's allowed to be difficult for you as well. And it's allowed to make you go, well, what, you know, what the flub happened to that dude? And they did put a lot of it in the fact that his father had left him when he was a kid. And I don't want to overdo that because I do understand parental issues. But I don't, I'll never understand racism and bigotry. I understand sort of being selfish and being extra driven or having sort of a few eccentric quirks because you never got that intention. But I will never understand that going to yes yeah, like homophobia or racism because there's just no need for it there really really isn't some people are good and some people are bad and it has nothing to do with who they decide to sleep with or the color of their skin and i will end it there because i'm sure you didn't tune in for this for some weird <laughs> some weird rant by simon miller so we will answer some questions as always simon miller 316 on instagram and twitter usually put a tweet out around about the morning on the tuesday to get some questions also shout out to pinsandknuckles.com for always uh, supporting the show and supplying me with my merchandise, which I'm almost sold out of, Simon at TheBigCartel.com. And when I am sold out, I'll be able to get some more in. And if you want to come watch my Darth YouTube channel, just search for Simon Miller. And when I've sorted my Twitch account out, twitch.tv for Simon316. We've got two done, and then the world kicked me in my ass, but it doesn't matter. My man Dustin says, where in the WWE universe is The Fiend? Follow up, why does WWE hate Wyatt so much? Well, this kind of ties into the whole, uh, what's his name, Keith Lee uh, discussion. Because there were some rumors that apparently Bray Wyatt was dealing with mental health issues. I don't know whether it's true or not. It's kind of been, you know, poo-pooed now. Like, that's not true. So I don't think we need to go down that road. But it is very weird. You know, the Randy Orton match at WrestleMania was changed at the last minute. And then we don't see him on TV for ages after doing that one Firefly Funhouse skit. And you have to ask the question, what the hell does he do now when he does come back. And I don't have an answer to that either. Does he go back to the old Bray Wyatt? Does he have a new character? Can we get more out of The Fiend? To me, I kind of feel like The Fiend now was a two-year a two-year narrative which has come to its natural conclusion. I'm not sure how excited I would get for Fiend matches anymore. I mean, do, for example, let's go through the people I don't think that he's fought in recent memory. The Fiend versus Roman Reigns, not interested. The Fiend versus Drew McIntyre, not really interested. Uh, the Fiend versus Sheamus, sort of taking it a step down. No, Fiend versus Apollo Crews, not massively. Not really want to want to see in that division. I mean, The Fiend versus Jinder Mahal, no. <laughs> the Fiend versus Sami Zayn, it just doesn't work for me. I feel like it takes those other guys out of positions I'd rather they be in. Uh, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. And I hope the WWE can come up with something that can surprise me because Bray Wyatt is a creative... Well, he's got something to him, right? Because he's come up with these incredible ideas. They've just never been utilized in the way that we'd hoped. Tom Ori, my man, my good old friend, tries to troll everybody by saying, do you know wrestling is fake, mate? Of course I don't. I think it's 100% real. And <laughs> I believe everything that I'm seeing. Not aimed at Tom this, of course, but I do love when people legitimately go, you like wrestling, do you know it's fake? As if they want you to go, what? Wrestling's fake? And you kind of sort of have this meltdown and brain aneurysm in front of them. Like you can't, I don't I understand it. Again, I'm just speaking to the convert here and it's boring old stuff. But you know, imagine like, oh, I'm going to go watch the new Brad Pitt movie. Oh, you know, movies are fake. You're like, yes, I'm aware. What else do you want to talk about? That cheese tastes good? We've done this. Let's move on to something else. It's just weird. I don't get it. 
Why does... Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it. But yes, I, I don't know that wrestling's fake. Uh, Critter Dub says, you are able to kick down the Forbidden Wall because you and Simon Miller are a beast. That's very kind, Critter. It is not true at the moment, given my various elements, but we will get back there. Who do you bring in through that door to create your ultimate stable to invade WWE? Book yourselves to the Summer of Simon. By the way, your content is always top-notch. Cheers. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, well, let's go with five people to invade WWE. Five people is already good. Kenny Omega is going to go on that list. I'm going to put it right into a match with Randy Orton for obvious reasons. I'm also going to bring in Cody because he has a built-in storyline. Same with John Moxley because those two guys are your Kevin Nashes and Scott Halls. It can feel like an invasion because they've been there before. I'm putting Britt Baker on that list because Britt Baker right now is just a star and she would shine anywhere. And I think you probably need someone from the East so you go get someone like Kenny uh, Carter. Sorry. And there would be my five. But I've already missed out on loads of people. You want the Young Bucks to be part of that clan. Let's do 10 just for fun. I'm going to count the Young Bucks as two because they can have singles matches. But you need someone to invade the tag team division. So you've got to do that. Um, who else is on out in the world? I mean, if you want to put Will Ospreay in there, once his neck is healed, I don't think that's going to be so bad, is it? He's going to have a bunch of dream matches. He can be like your Seth Rollins guy. I would want Jeff Cobb for my own personal interests. Because I think he's great and I'd enjoy him. But if I want Jeff Cobb, I also want Miro. So I'm just going to say that and run away, even though I can already see the problems of what I've done. Punish Venom says, what's your favorite style of wrestling? Grappling, striking, lucha libre, brawler, or hoss? Well, I'm a bit like Big E. I'm never going to get too mad about two massive guys smashing man meat. But this ties into the conversation we had to start the podcast. I don't have a favorite style. Sometimes I don't even know I'm in the mood for lucha libre. I'm like, oh man, this you know lucha house party match is really, really good or whatever. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. It all depends on the presentation. Also, sometimes the best matches is when you do have a lucha guy and you have a technical guy and all of a sudden they make magic. So I am sitting on the fence and you are allowed to get mad about that. Hunter of Chaos says, if you could pick a female tag team partner for the Mixed Match Challenge, who would it be? Well, the Mixed Match Challenge was WWE. So I would pick Oscar or Bailey, But if anyone, I would take Britt Baker. Jimmy, what surprised you about wrestling training that you did not expect? I'm starting myself soon. And although I'm a big guy, 6'3", 220, I feel my stamina might let me down even though i play rugby anything else for me to look out for well your stamina will let you down my friend jimmy but it won't be because of you it's because you've never done wrestling before i think we all find this out the hard way but yes you soon realize how much of an effort it is and it is going to be one of the most difficult things you do but it's also going to be one of the most rewarding things you ever do if you do indeed enjoy it so I am terrified about trying to get back into ring shape. It's now been 13 months and I can't even do exercise at the moment because I did hurt my old rib, which has caused me many ailments. But well, you'll get there in the end. You know how exercise works. You play rugby, you're a big guy, you'll be able to flow into it. So the thing to look out for is enjoyment. And when you find it, make sure you jump onto it. David Matthews, do you think there's a definitive best era of wrestling? Or do you think everyone just looks at their initial experiences through rose-tinted glasses? Glasses, for me, it was 2006. Yes, it's always the way. Because wrestling is aimed at kids for obvious reasons. And you usually watch it when you are a kid. So all of those people become your favorite wrestlers. That star becomes your favorite star. That company becomes your favorite company. So 100% that. Absolutely. Brandon. Hey, Simon. If Finn Balor fails to recapture the NXT title, which I believe he will, what do you think WWE should do with him next? Where does he go? Well, we didn't run through the NXT card. So let me do that now. I did have it up and then I lost it. Am I going to be able to find it? I am. There it is. So 
We have the new North American champion, Bronson Reed, addressing his fans. We have Karrion Cross against Finn Balor, which I'll talk about in a minute. Frankie, excuse me, Monet makes her in-ring debut. Potty Bobby Fish takes on Pete Dunne, which will be great. Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. And we've got Ted DiBiase facing off with Cameron Grimes. And the rumor is he's going to bring back the Million Dollar Championship. So somebody better ring up the ringmaster. I agree with you. I don't think Finn Balor is going to win. I think they're too high on Karrion Cross, And also Finn Balor doesn't need it. There have been a lot of rumors that there's going to be some call-ups from NXT. And Raw especially needs some fresh talent. I don't think it would be the worst idea to put Balor back on the show. But we've got to treat him right. We've got to push him properly. Maybe he could start off taking on Sheamus. You know, wins a US title, then moves upwards. I would take Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley. I would take Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. You know, you can present it. Who did a good job of presenting sort of like David versus Goliath? Well, I suppose any Darby Allen match. You can make me believe. So... I wouldn't mind him going back to Raw. SmackDown doesn't need him. I mean, I wanted to, and I don't mean that in a way that I want him to suffer on Raw. I mean, I want him to go to Raw and I want him to be utilized to the best of his ability in order to make that show better, which he can do because he has a legitimacy about him as well. Luke says, what era of NXT do you think would have fared best against AEW in the war? Loving all your work. Keep it up. Thanks, Luke. Oh, man, that's a really hard question. I mean, for me, it would be when it had Samoa Joe and they had Finn Balor and they had sort of uh, Lone Wolf, Baron Corbin. That was my favorite. But there are others too, like the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. I think they were still down there. Then. Maybe Kevin Owens had come up. I can't remember. It's hard to recall. But any time from then prior to, I think it may have been a different story. But you just never know. Nerd Tested TV, which is an amazing name. If there was a cross-banded pay-per-view again like Survivor Series, what matches would you like to see? I would love Adam Cole versus Rollins versus Styles. Well, oh, absolutely that. I'm a bit done with cross-branded pay-per-views because they're never really explained. But yeah, Cole versus Rollins versus Styles would be, would be excellent. But outside of that, it's mostly going to be NXT guys versus main roster guys because we've seen pretty much everything else because of the reasons we just talked about. So... I mean, I would take Randy Orton versus Gargano. Uh, sorry, versus Tommaso Ciampa because they've been going at it. I would take Edge versus Gargano. That would be an awesome one. Uh, you could do a Carrion Cross versus... I don't know. Who, he, who does he really fare up with? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe a Roman Reigns because they're kind of in the same mold how WWE sees them. So it'd mostly be your, you know, your NXT guys coming up to fight your main WWE guys. I think that would be really fun. Organo Jackson says, what's your favorite Roman Reign match ever since he came back? The Hell in a Cell with Jay Uso when Jimmy Uso came down. Uh, storytelling at its best. Although I did love the WrestleMania 37 match. Some people have soured on it because of the ending. I just thought it was the best troll ever. And I'm a bad person inside. Royston says, if you could combine any two existing match types to create one, which do you choose and why? Example, two out of three tables. <laughs> I would do an elimination chamber at Hell in a Cell. Because we, <laughs> you can't have enough dumb stipulations. So I built a bigger Hell in a Cell and I put it over the top of the Elimination Chamber and you still have to try and escape. There's no pinfalls or submissions. You've got to try and escape. Shazad says, what are the biggest risks for AEW in terms of avoiding getting chewed up like WCW did? Well, just don't do real stupid booking with stupid characters. <laughs> don't do on a poll matches every week. Don't give me no DQ matches that ended in DQ. Don't job out all your young guys and then run out of stars. Don't do the NWO for five years. Don't ruin Goldberg's uh, <laughs> undefeated streak with a poke. Don't do finger pokes of doom. <laughs> so AEW is not even in the same ballpark as WCW. When WCW was good, don't get me wrong, some of the best wrestling ever. When it was bad, it was dog. 
It was awful. And AEW to me is a really consistent to excellent television show. And I know that winds people up. You're allowed to get mad. But I love WWE as well. Again, SmackDown. Last week, SmackDown, all ups. Last week, AEW Dynamite, all ups. There's no bias. It can't happen. Bad WWE stats. With the backlash, zombies have been fine if there was only if there was just one regular lumberjack, such as Drew Gulak, who apparently didn't get the memo. No, I mean the look. WWE made a million dollars from doing that. So in terms of business, well done to them. In terms of presentation, I think it would have made much more sense if you had done that match and you would have had one zombie uh, instead of one regular lumberjack. But the zombie comes out, turns around, walks away. Company uses it as a way to tie it in. And that's that. You never talk about it again. It doesn't go more than a couple of minutes. It probably becomes a meme. It probably becomes gift. It probably gets shared on social media. And you move on to something else. I did watch Army of the Dead. I don't want to get too far off track. I thought it was a really fun movie. It's stupid as all hell, but it's a Zack Snyder zombie movie. So you can't be expecting too much. But I thought Big Dave was good. There's a ton of plot holes, which I won't mention in case you don't want spoilers. Well, of course you don't, but it's too long. I think they probably didn't cut it as much as they had to simply because they knew it was going on to Netflix. And therefore, you know, Netflix loves watch time and audience retention. And as a YouTuber, I can understand that. But just a lot of fun. And am I ever going to watch it again? Probably not. They tease a sequel. Would I probably watch that? Yes. So the zombies didn't put me off and I watched it and I enjoyed it. Mark, if you had a WWE draft coming up and you had to pick the following, who would you pick? NXT to Raw, uh, Adam Cole. NXT to SmackDown. Probably Johnny Gargano. Because he'd fit in better. Raw to NXT... So who's not being on Raw? Mustafa Ali, and I'm making my champion. And SmackDown to NXT, Dolph Ziggler. I still want to see that. I think he would completely revive his career, although at the moment he's doing pretty well, to be honest. SSJ Vega says, AEW, novel or nothing, is only five days away. The wild card for the Casino Battle Royale has tons of speculation, so I need your three surprise picks. One, most likely. Two, biggest shock. Three, who you'd like to see the most. Uh, most likely, I would probably say, is Andrade, which you've also agreed with. I also agree with the number two biggest shot, Brian Danielson. And who I'd like to see, you said Okada. Well, my, who I'd like to see would be also be Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan. But as I don't want to be boring, who is out there in the world that could pop up? Will Ospreay. There you go. It'd be awful and would probably ruin the Forbidden Door because there'd be so much controversy. But I'd like to see that because I enjoy wrestling controversy in that sense because it's fun to talk about. Daniel, least used finisher in today's wrestling product. WWE mostly, but any promotion. What move do you want to see more? Well, the end of days, but that's for different reasons we've talked about. I don't think there's one move that gets underused. If anything, moves in wrestling get overused. I can't think of one that I've missed or haven't seen or want to come back. Everybody busts out their moves all the time. I don't think there is one. Please let me know if I'm wrong. Weaponry. If you had all your wrestling knowledge up to 2021, but you time traveled to 1989, what would you use as your finisher? My friend, the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, it rarely loses. Chap, do you think they will ever have NXT matches on the main pay-per-views? No, I hope not. I'd rather keep it separate. It's difficult enough to try and work it all in. Peter, what is the best wrestling show at the minute and why is it SmackDown? Uh, well, I, oh yeah, SmackDown and Dynamite are on par. Are on par to me, absolutely. The world is on fire. What is more enjoyable, performing your own moves or selling somebody else's, which is harder to do? Well, that's an either or, again. Like, when someone gives me a shoulder tackle, I really love selling it. Why? I don't know. And in terms of performing my own moves, 
back suplex for some reason is really fun. Any kind of power bomb is really fun. Anything off the top rope is terrifying. So, and there are also other moves like the Canadian Destroyer, which to take are so easy and get such a response that you enjoy taking them. So it really does come down to the, come down to the situation. Dan, I know people want Big E to dethrone Roman and I'd be down for that. But what if by Mania 38, Alistair Black is a face and he is the one to do it? Either or, man. I don't mind. Whoever beats Roman Reigns, if it benefits them and they become like a badass off the back of it, sign me up. That's great. That's what it should do. You build a star to make another star. Joshua, how on earth do you get the likes of the big show, Great Carly and Rikishi, out of the Royal Rumble? You don't, Josh. You just panic, and the commentators will tell you it's going to be impossible. Expect nothing. Do you think Cesaro can ultimately be the one to dethrone Roman? Interesting connection there. If not, who do you reckon? Seth could be good, but I don't want him to go face. No, I don't think it'd be Cesaro. I don't think it'd be Seth. Uh, what we just mentioned would be good. Big E, absolutely. Alistair Black, absolutely. Um, who else is actually being used? And Apollo Crews, you could do that. You know, he's got all the potential in the world. You would need to switch him up a little bit. Outside of that, I don't know. It, it depends who they want, it want to push. It's difficult. That's a difficult question. Ashley, who would you like to see crowned as the new, or sorry, as the first AEW trios title holders? For me, it's the Death Triangle. Pac needs to be holding gold. He's too talented not to. Yeah, I think so. Death Triangle would be a good shout. Uh, or the uh, Jurassic Express. I'd be happy with that too. Or you could put it on the Pinnacle. That would also be fine because they need titles as well. Ashton, do you think WWE will ever give the Miz more ICW, ICW, IC title runs just so he can hold the rare record for the most reigns and surpass Jericho? Or do you think Jericho is still on good enough terms that they won't do that? I think if the Miz does do it, it won't be to slight Jericho because as you've said, there can't be any animosity now. You don't put him on the Steve Austin show. So, no, I think they're fine with Jericho. And I actually think his last year in wrestling or last run in wrestling will be with WWE. I think he'll say some goodbye matches. I think he'll get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that will be that. Away he shall go. Robert, based on his constant in-ring work and recent match with Riddle, do you think there is potential for Xavier Woods to be top title material? Anybody in the company has the potential to do it. You just have to make the fans believe and you have to put them in the right story. But absolutely, Xavier Woods could do it. 100%. Crazy Kush Pack says, What happened to the Wizard in the Sky? Will he be the surprise entry in the Casino Battle Royal? Well, my friend, somebody else today asked about Nobody Talks Like That and uh, stuff just happens. Much I, I try and do not do the things that annoy me when I watch WWE TV, which is recycling things over and over. So when I feel like I've done it too much, I just let them go away. And when I feel like I think they should come back, I let them go away for a few weeks more because then they never get old. Then hopefully they retain some of their fun, but they will be back and some new ones as well. Do not worry. I promise you this. Uh, Byron says, Roman Reigns is doing amazing work. I honestly don't see anyone on the roster that could beat him. How do you feel about Finn Balor finishing up with NXT tonight and being the guy to take his universal title? Yes. I won't spend too long on that one just because we already talked about Finn Balor, but I'd be more than good with that if they built it right. Saint says, AEW offers you a six-month contract and for four months, you will be world champion. WWE offers you a four-year contract to be Repo Man Jr. And you get to keep the gimmick after, but you are mid-level and get roles in films. <laughs> you can't go to the company after which contract gets signed. Well, as, what happens after my six months in AEW? I, I can't answer that without having the two contracts. As I always say, this is such a sit-on-the-fence answer. If I ever get a contract that has AEW or WWE or film <laughs> at the top of it, I'm going to be very happy with what I've accomplished. Um, but 
I mean, if we, the, the problem, I need to know what I'm doing after my six months I- I- in AEW. But I will say, I have absolutely no problem with being Repo Man Jr., being mid-level and getting roles in films. That sounds like a great life. Sign me up right now. Danny Mania, when Edge returns, who would you like him to start a rivalry with and why? Follow up, would you like to see him return as a face or heel? I don't need bad guy Edge. You can have good guy Edge, but have the same intensity and the same madness. Who would I like him to have a feud with? Well, I guess he still needs to have his one-on-one match with Roman, I suppose. Whether or not they do that, I don't know. But he's going through opponents quite quickly, so you probably do want to do it. Otherwise, I mean, Edge versus Seth, Edge versus Sami Zayn, Edge versus Kevin Owens. I'm sticking to SmackDown here for obvious reasons. Edge versus Big E. I mean, there's Edge versus Baron Corbin. I want to see Edge take on everybody because the cool thing about wrestling is that we can have these generations sort of crossing over, even though Ghostbusters said to never cross the streams. Uh, hey, Gore says, do you think genuinely anybody become a, become a wrestler? As in your personal opinion, does it take a level of courage to take bumps, even the most simple ones, or take bumps outside of the ring? Does someone who feared pain... Uh, is does somebody who fears pain not able to become one? Uh, well, if you don't like bumps, I doubt you think you're going to be able to become a wrestler because they are quite the uh, eye-opener. But no, I, yes, I think anybody can become a professional wrestler. You just need to go down there and see how you respond to it. Some, and if you don't respond to it well, then yeah, it's not for you. But that doesn't mean that on a very base level, there should be no restrictions when it comes to wrestling. So no matter who you are, what you do, what you like, what you don't like, you should be able to try to become a wrestler and then based on your own personality you need to decide whether it's for you or not my man spaz phoenix make sure you check him out on youtube when we talk about people who may benefit from a return to nxt the obvious names are ruby Wright and nikki cross the Wright squad would add to the tag division nikki could have a run or they could join shotzi and moon for a five woman punk rock faction thoughts um ruby Wright more than nikki cross just because i'm hoping that nikki cross is about to get used again but yeah ruby Wright absolutely Liv morgan go there anybody that's not being used and would get used although it's getting quite crowded in nxt we should do because you're not benefiting anybody from keeping them off tv even worse when they come and go and come and go and come and go because that gets really confusing uh where we're going next nikki stark a tag team of brian pillman and randy savage what are your thoughts on that it'd be pretty good you know brian pillman was a loose cannon randy savage was crazy I think I'd enjoy it muchly. Fish says, if I wanted to get into wrestling myself, where should I start? Also, who? how did you design your gear? Uh, my gear is done by um, Vicky Stitch or Vic Stitch. If you search for her on Instagram or Google, you can find her. She's very, very good. And in terms of where you should start, you should find yourself a reputable school and you should just go. And you should, you know, make sure you're working hard outside of the gym and, you know, doing your cardio and your weights and your calisthenics and all of this. But you just got to go. You just got to bite the bullet because you only really start understanding what wrestling training is when you start doing the wrestling training. So, yeah, I would just throw yourself into it. Stevie P, best British Bulldog match. Uh, well, it's got to be SummerSlam 1991, right? 92, 91, 92, 92. Yeah, and I know that he was off his face on drugs, as we found out. And Bret Hart basically put the whole thing together. But my word, what a great, you know, what a great flipping wrestling match that was. Uh, the Architist, what is your AEW versus NWA, no, versus WWE versus NJPW dream singles match? Uh, Kenny Omega versus Roman Reigns versus Okada. There you go. That's going to wind people up. <laughs> uh, Juan says, what is the difference between a, a sharpshooter and a Boston Crab? Juan, I'm not even going to answer that. I thought you were going to say sharpshooter and scorpion deathlock, and I would have come up with some kind of William Regal kayfabe answer. A Boston Crab, there is no foot through the middle with a twist. It's just a basic Boston Crab. Uh, Niall says, what would you like to see Samoa Joe do next? 
would you like a Titanic battle with Miro? Yes, I'd like to see him in AEW because I'm such a Samoa Joe fan. Obviously, I get to watch AEW every single week. And I think with their second show, AEW Rampage, that's only going to benefit. I can't remember we talked about AEW Rampage last week. That was all kind of cool. You know, Dynamite moving to TBS in 2022, getting a show on Fridays after SmackDown over on, well, TNT to start with, then on TBS, known as Rampage. Only going to be 60 minutes. Tony Khan refused to make uh, Dynamite three hours, which I think was a tremendous idea. Absolutely a tremendous idea because you, Raw has proven that three hours is too long for professional wrestling. It just is. It wears me out whether I, I like that or not. So I'm really happy that we didn't go that direction. And even though an hour is going to fly by, I think that's going to make you leaving wanting more, which is exactly what we all, you know, we should always be trying to do. Uh, Pegleg Steven says, will we ever see you wrestle again? My friend, just go to at Simonler316 on Twitter right now. I am retweeting posters like there's no tomorrow. I am back as of next month. As long as I get cleared by the doctor, a little bit touch and go, but we'll do our best. Even if I miss that one, I have bookings throughout the rest of the year. Keep an eye at Simonler316 on Twitter. If you're in the area, please come. If you live abroad, keep an eye out as well. <laughs> as soon as I'm allowed to fly and it's safe to do so, we have some interesting things in the pipeline and I am very, very excited about it happening. Jared, if you could do one person from WWE to AEW and vice versa, who would it be? <sighs> well, I probably actually would move Kenny Omega because the amount of matches you'd have and the amount of explosion you'd do on the internet would be tremendous. And from WWE, I would move... AJ Styles, for the same reason. <laughs> I don't know why I put that voice on. Uh, I do a couple more. Gaston, my question is, how have you marketed, how haven't you marketed, I'm just a bald a-hole t-shirt, because I'm also a bald a-hole, and I would have one instantly. Uh, we did do it. it SimonMiller.BigCartel.com. It's sold out. <laughs> and I'm debating whether to make more. I don't know whether I can sell any more, but it did happen. Harine is back. Hey, Simon. Professing my love for Omega here. And that's what I like to hear, Harine. Now that he's facing Andrade at Triple Mania, who do you think is going to win? It's a good question because you could have Kenny lose that one and make Andrade the Triple Mania champion, uh, the Triple A champion, because he'll probably be working there more. But does that affect his belt, you know, collector gimmick? I kind of feel like we've moved away from that a little bit. I would go with Kenny, but I'm not going to be surprised if Andrade wins. And I also think it's a great advert for getting Andrade on your show. First big match wins a title. Makes a lot of sense. And we'll do two more. Uh, Gaming Fanatic says, do you think Rampage will be a more hardcore type of wrestling show? No. I think if anything, it'll be less hardcore. I think they're going to potentially use that one to try and drag in a more mainstream audience. But we will see. Shane says, what do you think about Cornette's opinion on AEW? I think everybody is allowed to have their opinion, but I'm also allowed to not like those opinions and that's how i feel like jim Cornette. i just think he's negative for the sake of negative doesn't mean he doesn't have to he doesn't have to like it of course he doesn't but i think he moves into insulting territory and you'll be surprised to hear that's not my bag i don't think that we should do that and we will finish with two more because andy says why do you hate the rock i i, I what did i i must have made a joke once i don't hate the rock i think the rock is fine the rock is an inspiration the rock took over the world and if we could all achieve just an ounce of the success that he had we'd all be very very successful people and one more. Good one here. Mike Gamble. Who's winning this year's Money in the Bank matches? I'm worried that Charlotte Flair is going to win Money in the Bank for the women. I think she may lose to Rhea Ripley at Hell in a Cell and then be right back into it at Money in the Bank. It could tell a good story, depending on what they do. But that would be my gut with it. And an outside chance. Maybe Bailey, Maybe Sasha Banks. Because Sasha Banks and Edge have been advertised for the July 16th SmackDown which is when WWE go back on the road. So I suppose you could do that. 
Is that, I think that's just before Money in the Bank. I can't remember. Yeah, it must be. It must be. Money in the Bank must be on a Sunday. And for the men, that's a really good question. I don't know. You could have Keith Lee returning and win it, and that would you know make me over the moon. Let me type this into... I need some names. Who is going to win? Because this is the problem sometimes. Your brain won't treat you nice. Who is going to win Money in the Bank 2021? Oh, surprise, surprise. No one's talking about this. Why would they be? It's really weird. <laughs> it's like months away. Uh, da, 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 da. Just give me some names. I just want to see some names so I can start running my brain through it. Mustafa Ali I would have gone with, but he can't even get on the show. Don't think it's going to be Cedric Alexander or Shelton Benjamin. That's all the names I've got here. Just those three. I don't know. That's such a good question. Maybe a riddle. Maybe do that depending on what they're going to do with RK bro. Maybe a Xavier Woods if he continues on this run. But you probably wouldn't do that either. I really don't know. That's such a good question. Leave it with me and I'll get back to you. Maybe. I often forget, but I certainly do my best. Otherwise, though, uh, Cesaro is a good one. Actually, that just popped in my brain. Cesaro would be a good one because I think he has enough goodwill with the fans. Kevin Owens would also rock as well. The problem with Kevin Owens is you don't want to see him go with Roman Reigns again if we've done it too much. Um, we already mentioned Keith Lee. Big E. How did I forget Big E? In fact, Big E would be the guy that I would choose. Big E or Alistair Black to tie into what we were talking about earlier. How did I not think of that? Absolutely those two. One of those two should win it. Anything else I said? Disregard. It's not true. And on that note, we will round it up. Thank you for listening as always. Uh, make sure you do subscribe and go to twitch.tv for the summer 316. So sometimes we do episodes here and sometimes we do episodes there. I think I plugged everything, but I'll do it again. Patreon.com for the summer 316. Even a dollar really does help. At Simon316 on Twitter and Instagram if you want to ask a question for the podcast or, of course, if you want to see what my wrestling dates are, I'd love to see you there. Simon Miller on YouTube if you want to join my madness. What culture wrestling? Check out those ups and downs. I've probably got something else, but I've forgotten about it. Simon.bigcartel.com. Thank you for listening. Most importantly, though, just an hour of wrestling chat from me, the bald a-hole. If you have any suggestions for the podcast, I'm always up for that too, so you can do it. Otherwise, make sure you have a great day, and I'll talk to you on the next one. Thank you.